what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome to Entrepreneur Exchange on the Mesh Podcast Network, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. On today's show, we'll talk about a quick article. When it comes to new product ideas, is it better to add new features or to focus on keeping it simple? We'll talk about a recent article that we've been looking at. Our guest today is an entrepreneur, motivational speaker, and American Ninja Warrior, Juan Doe will be joining us from Seattle, Washington to talk about his entrepreneurial experience and how he connects with and motivates students across the country. And as always, we'll wind up with our Small Business of the Month feature, where we'll highlight some interesting businesses that you should be checking out. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm your co-host and director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who is Dean of the School of Workforce, Productivity, and the Arts at Catawba Valley Community College. Gary, how is it going today? Jeff, it's great. This is really exciting. Of course, people can't see us, but I actually am only six feet from you right now. And it's getting to see Moose in the booth. This is like it's supposed to be, and hopefully it'll be sometime soon on a regular basis. Well, which means we're back in the studio and we're happy to be back in, in, in the mesh studios, you know, and, you know, and they take good care of us here. You know, they, they bring my, my water with lemon and, and, uh, you know, the, the bowl of cherries that are required when we come in here. They're, they always take really good care of us. So we, we appreciate being back they at the do. mesh. It feels good. So, and of course, I've got my 32 ounce coke. And, and I'm glad that you do. And that keeps you going. Exactly. So, Gary. I wanted to share an article that I found uh, last weekend in the Washington Post. Okay. It was uh, by uh, several professors from the University of Virginia, uh, Benjamin Converse, Gabriel Adams, Andrew Hales, and Leedy Klotz. And it was in the Washington Post last weekend. And they talked about their research on something called subtractive insight. And they, they talked about their research. Their research shows that most people's first instincts when they're asked to change something is to add something, to add features, to add benefits. But they say sometimes the old keep it simple, stupid, the, the KISS approach is a better way to approach product development and, and trying to keep us away from avoiding the trap of just adding extra bells, whistles and things. It's not always the way to go. And they had an example of how kids learn how to ride a bike. You know, they, we traditionally had put training wheels on a bike in, in theory for more stability. Uh, but uh, they, they brought up the example of in 2007, a fellow named Ryan McFarlane had the insight that kids would learn better not on contraptions that were bikes with added parts, but ones with fewer parts. So after exter- experimenting he developed a low-cost two-wheel bike without pedals and chains, and now many children use it uh, to zip around on sort of like Fred Flintstone on one of his Strider bikes. You sort of see them and they're sort of low to the ground and they're pushing their feet. You know, so I uh, know Fred Flintstone. You know Fred? Well, you're you're old. You yes, probably exactly. may, you know, even you, although even I was seeing some. You of used to work lines. with him. Yes, I think. that's right. So, exactly. He uh, taught me everything I know about manufacturing. So. 
So I, I, I just curious, you know, you and I talk to people about uh, business and business ideas, and, and I think I fall into the trap of saying, oh, you know, what, what, what sort of feature or thing are you going to add to make it different? And maybe we should be thinking about subtractive insight. I was just curious to, to what you think about Well, that. I think that's an interesting thought, and I was going to say the same thing you said. I, when somebody says, hey, how are we going to make this better? I think about adding things. Hmm? That is because that sounds like the right thing. But these days and times, you know, looking at maybe you do add things, but you subtract some other things. You add something that's a really good feature that you can take away some of the other ones. I could probably do that. Add one, lose two. You know, it's sort of like when you and I go to Wendy's for that double cheeseburger and then they put on the bacon and the lettuce and tomatoes and barbecue. And, yeah. so, you know, maybe we should have a simpler cheeseburger. Nah. Nah? Okay. <laughs> All right. No, well, but I'd be better for it. That's a good example. So anyway, that's uh, just some, some, something to think about out there as you're working on product development, working on your business ideas. Sometimes uh, complexity isn't always the right way to go. Sometimes- well, and it ties into anything. So we get a paradigm or, you know, this is what we've always done, the way we do it. So that's what we do. And we, we got to get outside those uh, parameters that we've put ourselves in that we say, well, this, we're going to do it this way every time we do it. So I'm, I'm, I like I'm, All right. Well, I'm going to, you know, when, when we meet uh, back on the college campus, I'm going to, I'm going to give you some good ideas for streamlining my job. <laughs> so anyway. You've been doing that for a long time. Uh, it doesn't seem to be working yet. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well, that, that's because I'm in the additive part. Okay. Well, see, I'm trying, I'm working, I'm working you here. Let's let's welcome our guest, uh, uh, Juan Doe, who is uh, joining our podcast from Seattle, Washington. Juan, how are you doing out there? Hey, I'm doing outstanding. Welcome. Well, we're, we appreciate you being here. Juan is, uh, is an entrepreneur, has been a professional speaker for over 10 years. He is the recipient of the Verizon Wireless Motivator Award. He's the acclaimed author of Succeeding in the Real World. He is also a city finalist in NBC's hit television show, American Ninja Warrior. Uh, You might see Juan uh, in the grocery store these days as he's featured on Lay's chip bags as part of their Smile with Lay's campaign. Uh, He's been recognized as the best youth mentor by the International Examiner and one of the 25 most influential people in Seattle by the Seattle Magazine. Juan, I must ask you first, is Russell Wilson on that list, or do you know? <laughs> uh, for this year, he was not on that list, but I consider him uh, all-time 25 most influential people here. Okay, yeah. well, we're glad that you're with us. Welcome Absolutely. to the welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange, and, and tell us a little bit about the, the Juan Doe Company and what you do. Yeah, I mean, you did a great job introducing me for the last decade. Uh, my team and I have been lucky enough to partner with over 400 companies, organizations, and schools across the world to empower their professionals and their students to overcome adversity by developing resilience and mental strength. And uh, the practical strategies we've shared through our keynote messages, through our workshop training, coaching, and online curriculum has positively impacted over a quarter million people within the, the time we've been doing this. Well, that's pretty that's impressive. impressive. Exactly. So, you know, tell us a little bit about your backstory. You've gone from working with uh, Tony Robbins to uh, uh, DECA to starting your own company to to, to motivate students. Uh, when did you know you were an entrepreneur? And and uh, you know, just sort of tell us a little bit about your career path. 
Yeah. So <laughs> I knew when I was an entrepreneur, when I was no longer the Tony Robbins company, I had no more income and I had to create something out of nothing. That's when I officially knew that I was an entrepreneur. But what really impacted my path was in high school, I attended a summer camp called Washington Business Week. And it was a really unique thing. I was on DECA throughout the school year, which is a pretty much an organization to teach entrepreneurship on marketing. But it was an opportunity for a week where students all across the state had a chance to go to a college campus, to live on campus, but you learned real-life business skills through an engaging program. So they used the software where you kind of replicate yourself working for a company and that each group would have a company CEO, CFO, and different members, but they'd have a software where you would create a product. So literally, it, they called it a hunk of junk. So literally, they brought up all this stuff as if it was a garage sale. Students would have the job of creating a product out of all this junk. So they would grab things from this hunk of junk. And then each day you would have fake money and you would put X amount of monies into the software like on research and development on different categories of the business. And every day they would have a community member that would volunteer uh, to invest their time in us and to teach us about business skills. We'd hear keynote speakers. We would connect with other students. And by the end of the week, we would actually do a shareholders meeting where we would present to a board of volunteer members our product. And we had a trade show where community volunteers, they would have monopoly money and they would go around different booths to see what students' products were, what they were solving. And they would give this fake money to invest in the company. So this was a very unique experience that taught me about entrepreneurship in a very fun way. So that's what really kickstarted my interest in entrepreneurship but it was when I left the Tony Robbins company and I was not getting a paycheck. That's when I knew that, hey, I am now an entrepreneur. I, I suspect that some people uh, are entrepreneurs just uh, because they, 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 they can't help themselves. And some, some sounds like some, some mm. for you was that a little bit out of necessity. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, you know, I think uh, that it's, it's entrepreneurship is such a beautiful thing. And, you know, when, when the rubber meets the road, you're kind of like either you step up or you step aside. And for me, uh, fortunately, everything worked out because uh, I think one of the really key principles of entrepreneurship is having your, your deep purpose or your why, you know, Simon Sinek has that famous Ted talk, start with why. And for me doing what I do, I knew when I was in high school that this, the idea of being a speaker was, my path or my calling. And that's the reason why when we face obstacles, challenges, we've never stopped or folded because we have a deep reason why we do what we do. Well, well, a big part of your work is with students and with educators. Uh, what's, what's your take on their interest level in entrepreneurship and, and uh, you know, what challenges do you see out there? Are we, uh, uh, should we be feeling comfortable that uh, the seeds of entrepreneurship are planted with our students today, or are we, are we doomed? Tell us, well, tell us what you see out there. <laughs> I think the interest is uh, extremely high, and I think the reason why is when you go through different generations. I'm part of, um, I'm a millennial, and then you have Generation Z going to college. Is that students are seeing that there's a different way. Similar to me, my parents, they immigrated from Vietnam after the Vietnam War, and they just focused on creating a new life for my brother and I. 
And, you know, during that time, it was like you work for one company pretty much your entire life. And when it got to my turn and I started seeing like, oh, there's a different way where I have a chance to get a college education where my parents didn't. But then I was exposed to different mentors and people that showed, hey, you don't just have one option. You have multiple options. But when you talk about Generation Z now and you talk about social media where people see online the different things that are possible, that's where the interest is high. And when you talk about Shark Tank, where that show was founded out of the, the previous recession, that exposure lets students and even professionals know now is that, hey, you have options that are different from before. And so I think the challenge is very high. But with that being said, I think the biggest challenge specifically I see with with what people are seeing when they want to go into entrepreneurship today is their expectations are really off from what reality is. And what I mean specifically is when people look on social media or they watch Shark Tank, they get so excited. Oh my gosh, I have such amazing, I want to start this business. But what people don't realize is being an entrepreneur, it requires a different muscle. Similar to when you go to the gym, if you just run on the treadmill all day and you start lifting weights it might be difficult because you never practice that exercise. Well, same thing as being an entrepreneur is that if you have the reality that, oh my goodness, no, it's so awesome. I can work when I want. No one's going to tell me what to do. But then you haven't developed those entrepreneurship muscles. One specific muscle is that you got to create a disciplined schedule, right? When you go to work, you have everything. Like, I need to do this and you have a structure. But being an entrepreneur, if you never practice creating structure for yourself, what happens is then, when you have that free day when you're tired, you think, you know what? I can start work later. Or, you know, I'll do that thing tomorrow. And there's a common joke within the realm of entrepreneurs. It's like, ask yourself, if you were your own employee, would you fire yourself? Right. And many times people say, yeah, I fire myself because, you know, I'm not as disciplined as if I was working for an organization or company. So I think that's the biggest challenge is the unrealistic expectation when they see something really sexy or exciting is you know, translating to actually following through and doing those things. Yeah, being an entrepreneur doesn't mean you're going to work less. In most cases, it's going to be working more. Well, you said it a hunch correctly. You work more and you get paid less initially. Exactly. That's how it works. Well, and 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 I don't I don't think that uh, that challenge is is restricted to students. I think that uh, you know you know we see people starting businesses of all ages that, uh, you know, maybe they saw Shark Tank last night and they're excited and, and they, they think we have the magical money bucket under our desk to say, oh, you know, you're starting a business. Here's some, here's some money, you know, go, go enjoy. And it doesn't work that way. You know, there's a, there can be a lot of bootstrapping of, of getting it going on your own, uh, you know, limited funds often from, uh, you know, we our, our friends uh, will, will tell us that the initial funders are also often the the three F's: friends, family, and fools. So, uh, you know, trying to uh, find that initial funding can always be a challenge as well. Yeah. So, so we hear you. Um, so, you know, you know, part of part of your interesting backstory is that uh, you are on American Ninja Warrior, and you know how is. How has that experience helped you as a motivational speaker? How has it helped your business? I mean, a good, you know, good promotion. Hey, you're you're, a, you know, you're you're in good shape. You're a healthy, strong-looking dude. You know, how how's how's American Ninja Warrior help you? Are you talking about yeah. me? No, I'm not talking about you, Gary. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I, I I was speaking before I was on American Ninja Warrior, but what being on American Ninja Warrior provided me was more exposure and opportunity. 
because in business, when you think about being an entrepreneur, you got to have your unique selling proposition. What makes you different and unique from everybody else? So for me, being on American Ninja Warrior allowed me to say, hey, I was on I was a city finance on American Ninja Warrior. In addition to that, I was able to have a video clip that I can use on all my marketing, a picture. So that opened up other markets for me. So for example, we last year or a year and a half ago, we got an email from the Young Presence Organization. This is an international organization with top CEOs from all over the world. And the reason why this opportunity happened was they said, hey, you know, we're doing this theme, East meets West. And we thought it would be really cool to do a family event with our CEOs and their children to have an American Ninja Warrior come. So I've had many opportunities like that that have opened up because I was on American Ninja Warrior. So being on American Ninja Warrior was a great overall personal experience, a personal goal that I had, but also from a business front, it's helped me from opening up more doors and opportunities because people know the American Ninja Warrior name. So sort of, sort of brand development, uh, marketing niche. Then, Now, I've watched American Ninja Warrior a few times. Um, yeah, what? Give, give us just a quick, quick uh, bit on your experience there. I mean, did did you make it through the whole course? Did you get knocked off on something? Yeah, you know, what's what's the most challenging part of the American Ninja Warrior experience? Yeah, so I think the most challenging part of the Ninja Warrior experience it's similar to what I mentioned earlier about the challenges that students professionals see with entrepreneurship. The expectation is not on a part of reality. So you have to make that mental shift. And what I mean specifically is when people watch American Ninja Warrior, they say, oh, that's so cool. People are cheering, having fun. But what people realize is that that show is filmed late at night. So for example, when I competed, I was number, I think, 20 or 30 to go. But when I went, it was two o'clock in the morning, right? It was freezing cold. And I had gotten to the site at 6 p.m. So it was like this uh, holding area. It's like like all the sheep was just in one holding cattle, right? We're just in this area, just waiting. They're feeding us, but they had to wait till the sun went down. But what people did see is that when everyone goes on the course, if someone falls, then the crew would need to come out and wipe down all the equipment. So that could take 10 to 20 minutes to do that until the next person goes. So uh, I think the most difficult part is just uh, is adjusting to what you're expecting from the experience. Fortunately for me, I had a mentor and a coach. And I think that's one of the most critical things as an entrepreneur is to have a mentor and coach who've been through the challenges you've been through to save you that time and energy to prevent you from making the same mistakes. And my coach, who's on the show a couple of years previous to when I went, he says, hey, when you get there, don't waste all your energy jumping on the trampoline and practicing. You're going to be waiting for a while. So just hang out, put some earphones in, get some food. So that's exactly what I did. But with that being said, I think that was the most difficult part is just realizing kind of the change in the expectations and, and going into the show. Well, one of my mentors, uh, Tom Petty, used to say the waiting is the hardest part. So I guess that sort of was was part of your experience there as well. So yeah, very interesting. Um, uh, so um, you're currently you're currently on Lay's snack food bags. How did that happen? You know, is, yeah, that's is that, cool. Is, is that another, another way that uh, you're developing your brand? You know, I, does, does someone look for that or, or is someone that do you have to be a big eater of Lay's products? What's, uh, what's, what's the criteria there? Yeah. So the Lay's opportunity, this is something that happened right when the pandemic hit last year. And it was something where it is again, continued brand development, exposure, credibility, 
Um, so we're always looking for different opportunities to be involved in different things. But um, I had a, a friend, a fellow speaker who was on the Lace Chip Bag a couple years back, and he had mentioned it. And then I had uh, had someone that had referred me in and into this opportunity. And it's at the time, it was open nationwide where they're just looking for smilers. People were making a positive impact in the community. So I was lucky enough to be recommended. And the, the interesting part of the story was that this podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. I was recommended, and all of a sudden, we get an email out of the blue, my assistant, and it was, and the person said, hey, we need to hear back you from today if you're interested. And we're really confused. So then we, we look into the email and we notice it was, um, it was dated like in a way where it looked as if we missed some previous emails. So when we decided to check our spam, when we checked our spam, we had three or four emails from the Frito-Lay organization saying, Hey, congratulations. You know, we, we, we want, uh, we're looking at you as a semi-finalist, but we need your background check, etc. Please contact us within 48 hours. Then the next spam email, it was like, hey, we need to hear back from you if you're interested or not. And then the third spam email was like, hey, we called you, we emailed you, we need to hear back from you. If you're interested, you got to let us know. So fortunately, we caught that email. For whatever reason, that email actually went to my assistant's in normal inbox, where the previous ones went to spam. And we responded back. They did the background check. They said, hey, you're a semifinalist. We were supposed to fly down. And we did because COVID had happened. So they put it on, on pause where you're supposed to go there. They do a TV uh, or interview pictures and to be selected as a finalist on the chip bag, you're supposed to share your story. And based on your story and your actual smile, they determine if you're a finalist to be in a bag. Well, because we didn't fly down their, uh, their, their new way we did it was we had to take selfies of ourselves and we just make tons of funny faces. And fortunately, the goofy face I made, um, which is kind of me smiling, my tongue out, got selected. And I had the honor to be on the Lay's Chip Bags all across the country on uh, five different flavors. And I think the, the, the coolest part was learning about the other amazing things that the other smiles were doing, but also that uh, proceeds from each bag uh, at the time benefited Operation Smile. That's great. That's great. Can you show us that award-winning smile? It's, it's, it's we're, we're, yeah, we're audio only, so it's well, he, he's got a he's got he can, a he's got a great smile. I know he you can hear it through my voice. That's right. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, we'll share your website. People can go look and see what you okay. do. What you see? Your that was nice the smile. tease to get people to go to his website, or, or they can just go buy Lay's chips. Well, there you go. Try to try to pick out which one is which uh, one. Wander. So, right. so, and out of curiosity, Juan, is this? Is this a paid gig, or do they pay you in chips, or or is this just like do you get to? Are you now an influencer? What do you? What does this? What does this qualify you as? I'm not sure. It, it just qualifies me as a, a dude that was on a, a bag of lace chips. That's, that's, I mean, I, I, that's that I think, works too. That's that's great. I mean, I I don't know how these things work. I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a great smile, Jeff. Oh, I, I don't think I have a chip bag smile, but uh, I I certainly have my share of chips. Um, so, 
you know, Juan, you you uh, did a program for our community college, and and things went very well. And that uh, we we had uh, several hundred high school students uh, uh, from our area uh, participate in one of your programs. And and initially, we had planned to do it uh, in March 2020, and pandemic hit. And and I got to think that just really had a, a very big impact on your business. Uh, you know how. How how did you adjust to the pandemic and and keep things intact for your business and and what sort of changes adjustments did you have to make? Yeah, so similar to many businesses out there, uh, we are dramatically impacted. Where all of our events at the time was all in person, so it was interesting because we were at my wife and I were at a marriage group, and I was talking to this real estate agent, and I was like, "Oh man, your business might be impacted, right? Think about." export, import, you know, about housing. He's like, yeah, we've been impacted. How about you? I said, oh yeah, nothing. I'm about to fly to DC at the end of this week. It's all fine. And then the next day, that's when we get a phone call from a client. That's when Austin schools closed. And that's when everything screeched to a halt. And I went, I found myself going through the five stages of grief. I was in a big state of number one, stage one was denial. I was like, this is not happening. It's going to be okay. But once I got to acceptance, that's when, things started to change in a positive way. I think one of the most difficult things um, for an entrepreneur to, to do is to embrace change, right? I think that's just human nature where we don't like it unless it's forced upon us sometimes. And I think the really key principle is you got to lean into discomfort, not run away from it. Because whatever you resist in life will continue to exist in your life. And so for me at the time, I wasn't very, really, I used Zoom for internal meetings, but I never did a Zoom event. And I was really nervous of messing up, not being perfect. And that's where, you know, there's a important saying where, you know, focus on progress, not perfection. So uh, I found a friend, he was doing amazing work in the online space. He had pivoted. And by just connecting with him, it gave me the thought, oh, I can do that. And so we decided just to really completely lean in 100%. We started buying equipment and we started just willing to make mistakes, doing small events and working out the kinks and getting that comfort and confidence. And once we did that, then that's when we started just really exploding and doing lots of events, creating just amazing um, promo and content and marketing just to show that our online experience is completely unique and different from what people are doing today. So we completely pivoted and all our hundred percent of our events since the pandemic has been virtual. We've been keeping really busy hiring new team members to help facilitate different programmings and to increase our bandwidth. But um, it COVID definitely impacted it. And I'd say for me in, in a great way, because it forced me to innovate. It forced me to do things completely differently. And it really uh, tests myself as an entrepreneur to remind myself that, you know, oftentimes we doubt ourselves or we get into this comfort and I think it's really important as human beings to constantly grow. Tony Robbins has this great quote, progress equals happiness. And when you feel like you're moving forward in life, you're growing, you're going to be happy. It's when you feel like you're in this rut or routine or moving backwards, that's when you're not happy. Yeah. Well, I, you, you've, you've, you made quite the adjustment, uh, you know, and, and uh, uh, we can speak from our personal experience and w- with you and your programs that uh, – uh, you you've made the leap to to figuring out how to still engage with students in a virtual way, and you know, so kudos to you. I yeah. imagine not everyone has figured that part of it out. So you guys you guys did a great job uh, when you work with folks in our area. So thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. 
Any other, uh, any other pieces of advice that uh, you want to share with our listeners who might be thinking about starting a business? Yeah, I share two pieces of advice. Number one, if you're, if you're starting a business, is connect yourself with the right people. There's three people you need on your team. I call it my three M's. You need mentors, mates, and mentees. Mentors are people who believe in you when you stop believing in yourself. These are people, again, that have walked the walk and that can help you make the transition smoother. There's a quote I love, and I, I use it um, in regards to connecting with other husbands who are entrepreneurs as I think about the next days of, of my wife and I's lives about starting a family. There's a saying that says, smart people learn from their mistakes, but wise people learn from others' mistakes. So connect with mentors that have been down that path who've succeeded, not on what they said, but who've gone through the experience, not theory, but who practice in real life. The second end was mates, have peers, people who are going through it with you. I know that being an entrepreneur, it can be lonely. And especially if you're not connecting in person. And it's really powerful when you connect with people who understand what you're going through, because I have friends uh, who work for organizations and my wife, she's working as a registered nurse, but she's starting her influencing business. And what she's realizing is that when she talks to her friends uh, who are not influencers, like they, they look at her with like a blank stare and they said, oh, that's cool. That's great. But they don't understand what she's actually going through. And that's what's important as an aspiring entrepreneur or as an entrepreneur right now is to connect with other people who are going through the exact same thing so that you realize they're not alone. Last part of the three M's is mentees. Make sure you find people that you can pour into yourself because oftentimes as an entrepreneur, it can be stressful. But what's magical is that when you help other people who've gone down your path or who are making the same mistakes or challenges you've been through, when you help that person, you feel better. And when you feel better, you can think clearer. And when you go back to that challenge that's in front of you, you'll have more creativity to approach that. So make sure you have those three M's, those relationships, mentors, mates, and mentees as a part of your team as you start a business. The second piece of advice I have is really focus on your why. Why are you doing this? What's your purpose by wanting to start a business? Because if it's all oh, because I don't want to work at my job anymore, then that's not a strong enough why. Because when the times get tough, you think, you know what? Being an is not fun at all. I thought it would be exciting. I'm working harder and I'm paying, getting paid less. You know, I'd rather have a, a comfortable job where I'm getting a consistent paycheck and I have to deal with these ups and downs and income. And when, you, when you're strong with your purpose and why you want to start this business, what happens is that you're going to be willing to do whatever it takes. So for me, when I started my business, when I left Tony Robbins, I was 22 and I was feeling on top of the world. Why? Because I was helping people who to two to three times my age, their business and also their personal life. And the thing is, I felt like I was adding value. But when I was no longer with Tony Robbins, I no longer had that title. I was this unemployed 22-year-old that was sitting at home in his pajamas trying to write a book. And what had happened was, as I was writing my book, I finished, it took me a year and a half. I went through all of my savings and I went through credit card debt. I had this massive book launch. I felt like a huge success, but afterwards, guess what? Things did not go according to plan. Business did not pick up as quickly as I thought. I thought all the things I learned for Tony Robbins would be easily transferable, but there's some slight nuances that were different. So we weren't getting traction and what happened, I started getting more and more into debt. Until one day, I think I thought to myself, dude, enough's enough. I can't keep doing this, but I need to find a way to make this work. So I ate a huge slice of humble pie 
and I started picking up random odd jobs to make ends meet. At the time, I worked as a census taker, knocking on doors, asking, hey, how many people are living in this household? And then checking it for the census. Afterwards, I then worked part-time for DECA. I then worked Comcast, going door-to-door, selling phone services, internet, Comcast cable. I also had a time where I worked as a telemarketer for the Pacific Northwest Ballet, soliciting ballet tickets and getting donations. I also had a period where I was waking up early at five o'clock in the morning to deliver phone books. Now, if there's anyone listening to this podcast that have no idea what a phone book is, <laughs> it's this really thick book that looks like a dictionary with everyone's home phone numbers in them when everyone used to have home phone numbers. And I used to deliver these phone books early in the morning to these really wealthy neighborhoods with these massive hills that had to run up with 10 phone books on each arm. The only reason why I did all these things where I did not want to do, a reason why I had to humble myself was because I knew why I was doing this. I knew that, that I had a gift to share with this world, that this was not a job. This wasn't a career. This wasn't just a business. This was a life calling. And that's why I couldn't quit because this is what I was supposed to do when I was placed on this earth. So as you begin your business, make sure you have those mentors, mates, mentees, but also tap to like, why do you really want to do this? Get deep. If you have this idea, you want to make a difference in this world, that you want to make this impact, or you have this idea that can really change and help a lot of people, and you dig deep with that, that's what's going to help you through when the times get tough, because people want to focus on what is sexy, which is what people see on social media, what they see on TV. But what the non-sexy is, it's when, you know, Kevin from Shark Tank or Mark Cuban behind the scenes where you learn their backstory and all the challenges they went through. When you look at Barbara, Lori, Grenier, their backstory, that's when you realize like, oh, wow, that's all the hardship they go through. So make sure you tap to that why, because uh, there'll be many challenging moments. But when you tap to that why, that's what helps prevent you from giving up. Awesome. Well, that's pretty good advice. (laughs) Well, Juan, we really appreciate uh, you you getting up this morning and joining us. But before you go, if you're up for it, we're going to do our lightning round with you. So this this, uh, month's lightning round is sponsored by Ned Ryerson Insurance, whole life, auto, flood, home. You can't have enough insurance. Am I right or am I right? Stay safe with Ned Ryerson Insurance. Check it out on the internet. So, Juan, we're going to throw some quick questions to you. Quick questions, quick answers. Here we go. What is your biggest pet peeve? My biggest pet peeve is indecisiveness. You answered that very decisively. Very good. Vacation spot you'd most like to visit after the pandemic? Um, I don't, it doesn't matter what location as long as I'm with family. That's all that matters. Harry Potter, Star Wars, or Godfather movies? I haven't watched any of them. Ah. So none of the above. Well, give us a movie recommendation. Do you have anything? Yes, movie recommendation. I would say, first thought in my my head is a feel-good movie, Instant Family with Mark Wahlberg. Okay. Favorite Lay's snack food? Favorite Lay's snack food is uh, the baked Lay's chips, the originals. Okay. Um, Last question for you. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? 
if I had one superpower, it would be mind reading. Okay. That would be a good one. So, well, Juan, we really appreciate uh, uh, you joining the Entrepreneur Exchange uh, today. It's been, it's been a pleasure. You, you've been a great guest. Uh, when uh, we always finish up, uh, Gary and I share a small business of the month. Any, any small businesses that you'd like to give a shout out to or, or you want to pass the, today? No, I don't have a small business I want to give a shout out to, but who I do want to give a shout out to is the Catawba Valley Community College Small Business Center. Uh, I know this is an, a show for entrepreneurs, but I think one of the greatest resources you can have when I talk about mentors is for guys, a small business center with the amazing resources you have. So I'd like to give a spotlight. If you're starting a business, you're looking for support. One of the easiest mentors that you have access to right now is Catawba Valley Community College's Small Business Center. Well, uh, well you're, thank you very much. You're just playing to your host, uh, right. Juan. So, uh, but it, it is appreciated. We appreciate that. So, and and so, and and we'll expand that to say you should go check out the North Carolina Small Business Center Network because there's small business centers throughout our state that are available to help folks in North Carolina. And I suspect there are business development centers in the state of Washington where Juan is, and throughout the country where folks can go for for free assistance. So we we appreciate that. Gary, what small business of the month are you going to talk about today? It's the Catawba Valley Small Business Center. No, you're going to have to do better than that. That one's taken. <laughs> no, that was uh, thank you, Juan. That is exactly right. And Jeff is one of our uh, hidden charms at the college, and he he does care about what he's doing, and has done a great job for many people for many years. So we do appreciate that. But if we're not going to go to the small business center, uh, my small business of the month is Sweet Tea Bed and Breakfast which is a hidden gem in our hometown, Jeff. It's owned by Ralph and Patricia Hatch. Uh, Ralph has over 30 years uh, in the food service industry, and Patricia has many years in the restaurant marketing uh, experience. Uh, Sweet Tea and Bed and Breakfast is a beautiful, restored, 100-year-old home known as the best home-cooked Southern-style breakfasts in Catawba County. Have you had any there? Uh, don't think I have. No, we're going to be going there soon. They feature local items from Catawba Valley region, including their world-famous sweet rolls. And you know I love sweets, so that's how they fit into my small business of the month, of course. Each room is tastefully decorated to showcase the original 1920s style, and but it's still very comfortable uh, if you're looking at making sure that you're in the 2020 range as opposed to the 1920s. Home is partially furnished with upholstered items created by our very own Catawba Valley Furniture Academy. Oh, is that not cool? Very cool. <laughs> they have three beautiful rooms, and they're perfect for either romantic getaways or for business travel. Uh, they've been recommended to Tammy and me, my wife, uh, by our hospitality partners. And Tammy and I have been talking to them about going come visit them. And then, of course, Tammy's talking to them about being part of our hospitality academy. Oh, very so, good. Uh, shout out, and we certainly hope they'll be part of our hospitality academy as we kick that off this summer. Okay. Well, very good. So I found something, and and I think you guys might both appreciate. Um, saw this article in the paper about uh, how people are using drones to help them with training, and. Uh, found something called the Traverse Drone for Runners. And Gary, I know you're probably very lonely when you're out doing your road work, so so this product might be of interest to you. This actually, I don't think it's for sale yet. It's still in development, but it was. It's a it's a drone designed by the students 
of Hongik University, which is actually in Seoul, South Korea. The Traverse is a drone powered by artificial intelligence that's designed to be a personal trainer for recreational runners. It's an autonomous drone, has a quad propeller layout, and features a multiple fisheye camera that helps it navigate through spaces without requiring any external controls. A main gimbal-mounted camera focuses on you, the runner, as you run, monitoring your speed, performance, technique, laps, and charts your overall progress. While running, Traverse takes photos and videos of the runner, you, and provides you form correction and visual running feedback by tracking posture. Uh, It's accompanied by a pod, a wearable device that sits around your neck, so the drone sort of knows where you are and stays with you and doesn't run off and smash into things. Uh, uh, It uses a wearable as a tracking tag. The pod itself works as your personal coach, giving you audio feedback to improve your form and performance. It's got a simple button interface to let you toggle between various functions without having to look at your smartphone. And after your workout's done, it provides detailed stats, which are sent to their app on the smartphone. So you can look at all the aspects of your run, from your route to biostats and even your posture. So, so athletes like the two of you might benefit One of uh, us. From, from this sort of thing. And that uh, when you're out doing your run, you can have a drone floating above your head you know, giving you feedback saying, Gary, run faster, run faster, you know, better posture. I'm sure that's... That would make me feel really bad. Anyway, so... (laughs) But it it would motivate me. So if you go to yankodesign.com, you can learn more about their their personal fitness trainer drone called the... uh, called the uh, Traverse Drone. So I just thought that was interesting. So anyway, well, as... We, we, if you've got a suggestion out there for our small business of the month, you can email them to us at eexchange at the mesh.tv. And if we use your pick, uh, you'll, you'll get uh, one of our entrepreneurs exchange prize packs. So we want to thank Juan Doe for joining us. Juan, where can people find you if they're, uh, if they want to learn more about Juan Doe and, and the, the stuff that you do? Yeah. Well, it's an honor being with you guys. If you're interested in learning more about the work that we do, you can go to juandoe.com, which is spelled H-O-A-N-D-O.com. Again, it's Wando.com, spelled H-O-A-N-D-O.com. Well, we, we should go check uh, Juan's website out and see the programs that he's got going on and some of the, the videos that he's got out there. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank uh, you. Enjoyed uh, it. We, we, we really did and, and you know, wish you a, a good spring and, uh, and good health and, you know, I, you know, probably life is a little bit easier doing video stuff, but if you ever make it to North Carolina, we want you to come and see us, and, and uh, we'll look forward to that. Absolutely. Sounds like a plan. That'd be great. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks, Gary. Uh, another good show, and we'll thanks, look forward Jeff. to doing it again uh, next month. Yeah. Exciting. Take care. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.